You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine there is. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1. O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and fully loaded chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Woodsman Podcast. This week we're going to be kicking off another episode of the PA Bruiser Buck Series. Going to be profiling a guy by the name of Brendan Fink and the story of him harvesting his largest whitetail to date in archery season. Brendan's a normal guy that loves archery hunting, has a passion for whitetails, and was able to fulfill a, a lifelong dream, maybe, of harvesting uh, a, a Boone and Crockett bruiser whitetail. Um, this deer had insane mass, insane beam length, and was just an absolute stud of a deer. And the story of recovering this deer is what makes it oh so special it's a story of hard work and dedication to try to recover his trophy that he harvested and we're anxious to hear his story so sit back and enjoy this week's episode so tell me a little bit like you uh how long you've been bow hunting first of all uh well i've been i've been shooting a bow since i was 11 so i'm 40 now so you've um, pretty much cut your teeth archery hunting from the beginning yeah yeah i've always archery hunted the whole time i uh i shot my first buck when i was 17 and uh i've shot a buck every year since then but only two of them with the rifle so most of them have been with the bow oh wow so you really uh, are diehard bow hunter yeah uh, and a couple of my spots are archery only so that's a big reason as well okay you know, either close to housing or just the, the property where I shot this one is we'd only do archery. So, so, uh, so to make sure I'm, I'm getting through how, how buck, how big was this buck? Like how many points did it have and what did it end up scoring then officially? It was never officially scored. It was scored twice at 168 and 163. So I tell people 165. Um, okay. It was, he was green. It was 171. I think he was yeah. green. So, you know, a little bit shrinkage, 13 points. Um, pretty uh pretty freaky rack it was a mainframe <laughs> nine i believe with four kickers it was when yeah. i saw the picture of that deer it got sent yeah. to me i was like holy cow that thing is a horse yeah did, you, get, did 20... you weigh it no didn't get to weigh it 
Okay. It was too warm. We wanted to cut them up right away. Okay. Um, because I think he had like 27 inch beams, 27, 28 inch beams. <laughs> so he had a lot, a lot of inches there. Yeah, I'll but, say that's a horse. Yeah. But so. so you you say you it was warm out. So did you you killed it with a your bow and you killed it in early archery season? I did. It, it's uh it's quite the long story, but I shot him September 22nd um in the evening in uh I wanted to hunt a cornfield and he came in real early actually. Um I think it was like 545. Didn't expect anything that early. Right. And uh came in like almost right underneath me, but he didn't give me a shot. He was still in the the uh corn rows. His head okay. was in in my opening. But, so you were uh, kind of you were kind of set up on the edge of a cornfield at the right on the edge of the field, hunt. yeah. Figuring it was cooler. They were going to be moving early, actually, and uh, earlier so, than I thought. Okay. So, so early, so you're September 22nd. So you're, yeah. you were hunting Three days that. into the season. Yeah. You're, I was going to say, when did it open last year? In our remember. early, yeah. Our, so, we're down here in 5C, so it opened. We have that extra two weeks. Okay. So you um, got into that. So the the property you're hunting, you're, you're hunting private land, right? It, it was private property, yep. Okay. Yeah. So have you hunted there for a long time and run cameras? Yeah. Yep. Um, trying to think how many, I probably hunted there at least 10 years, maybe 15, um, on that property. Okay. I have, I've, I run cameras basically I'll start in July, um, and put them out. I had a lot of good deer this year, but I did not have any pictures of that buck at all. And I don't know anybody that knew him. So what's um, a, like you say, a good deer, like, I think everybody, you know, has their own standards of good deer. So like when you're talking about going into your season, you're setting cameras up and looking for, you know, something that you want to target, like what's your ultimate goal when you go into hunting season? I, I'm, I'm personally not too picky. Um, I, when I say a good deer, like I'll have pictures of deer, like 140, you know, and above, I, I would consider that's a good that's, deer. Now that absolutely. that's not obviously what I shoot every year. I'm sure. a, a hundred to 125. If that's coming past me, I'm the kind of guy that's not letting that go, but sure. I mean, let's good. face it. If a good but, three-year-old comes around in Pennsylvania, sure. that's, I mean, the whole, the whole point of us talking about this is to really show that we're getting to the yeah. point in PA where we're starting to see some bigger deer. I mean, you, yeah. your deer is no exception, but so, so you kind of went into the season you had, I mean, did you have any bucks picked out that you were like, I really want to target this deer. There, there was actually another 13 pointer in this stand coming by like every day, every other day. And, uh, wow. And daylight. I, I mean, he was like a hundred, I, he got shot in rifle. I don't know what he actually scored then, but he would, okay. I would say he was one forties. Um, wow. Um, and he was coming past. And as soon as I saw the, the corn stalks moving and I saw the rack, it was similar. And I, I get worked up pretty good. So I'm like, <laughs> no, don't look at the rack. You have picked a deer. I was pretty sure that's the deer it was, you know, okay. cause it was like too coincidental and, uh, ended was up this... being 20 inches bigger. So. <laughs> Yeah. So was this the first night in the stand? Um, I believe I hunted that stand the first opening night. Okay. Um, I, I know I didn't hunt it the Monday. This was a Tuesday night. Um, Monday I hunted a different stand. But uh, So then so Tuesday the night is stand. when you hunted this stand? Yeah. Yep. So kind of give me an idea. Like, is it is it a lot of – is it a landlocked parcel? Is it a lot of ag? Is it broken It's a up? lot of ag. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so you're hunting like wood patches around. in between? 
Okay. Yeah. Um, it's certainly not, it's farm country, you know, there's fence rows, there's, I don't know, 50 acre to a hundred acre woodlots. Um, you know, there's houses around, but nothing real close. It's mostly farmland. So you had, you had set up in the stand at like what time, like early afternoon, about five o'clock. So five o'clock and this thing came in at five forty-five. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't in very long at all. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Let so, it play out then. So what, what happened? You thought it was the deer you had pictures of, but it ended up not being right. Yeah. So like I said, he came in and he stopped, I drew back, he was walking and he stopped with his head in my shooting lane, like almost right below me in the, and I was holding and holding and I, I couldn't tell you how long it was at least 30 seconds and I'm starting to get tired mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, I think I can put one in between the stalks here. And I moved the pin back and felt good about it. And I shot and he took off running through the corn. And uh, uh, obviously you can't see him go too far after that, but I didn't really hear anything. I didn't hear him crash or anything. And that kind of concerned me. And so it was so early. I just stayed in the stand forever um, until it was dark and worked my way out around the long way. I didn't want to jump him if he wasn't down or anything yet. Right. And uh, called my uncle. He was hunting maybe a mile away or so. And, uh, he stopped by and we went out and tracked and didn't have much blood. We tracked like 80 yards and a uh, little bit of blood and then it just stopped. So, um, so, so highs of highs to lowest of lows in that sense then. Yeah. And my arrow broke off. We found my arrow, like it had good penetration, you know, but I, I still don't know exactly what happened. But uh, ended up waiting overnight. Next day, I couldn't get out first thing in the morning. I had to work, so I worked till eleven. And uh, I got a guy in with a tracking dog. Okay. And uh, we tracked him, and we tracked him. I think it was a it was a mile or a mile and a quarter. I think. Wow. And uh, two drops of blood the whole way, and nothing. Didn't didn't find the deer. Um, what was the tracking so- dog? Yeah, the, the, the guy that was running the tracking dog, what was his reaction as you were going through that blood trail? Yeah, I, he's, he didn't have much faith. You know, he was excited when we didn't have anything at first. And then we found the first drop of blood um, and the dog. So we got kind of turned around there, found that spot again, came back. And then the dog took off and we're going down and we went a couple hundred yards again. And uh, I found the smallest drop of blood right where the dog had just walked past. And uh, the dog, the guy said, well, obviously this is the trail, you know, that he's walking. It was basically down the edge of a fence row. The deer followed down to a creek. And I thought, well, the deer's going to be down in the creek here laying. Um, but ended up across the creek and followed it. And we ended up giving up then. He's like, you know, this deer's either going to live or we were not going to find it, you know, it's right. Just, we were on the wrong trail or whatever. So um, up until that time, you still had no idea what happened and where your arrow hit. No. And I mean, it's, it'll end up coming out, but the, the guy's like, you know what I bet you did? He's like, I bet you shot over the spine into the opposite shoulder of the deer and just down in like the pocket. Um, oh. So I could like, from my perspective thinking, I thought I had like a perfect shot, you know, I didn't see what happened. Even though it was so close, I didn't see the shot. Yeah. How far um, did you say he was? He was almost like right underneath me. Okay. You know? 
um, five yards max. Okay. So I don't know if I deflected off a corn stalk or if I ended up just shooting over the spine and down into that pocket. I'm not sure. Um, huh. But getting back to it, I mean, I looked, I, I probably looked five times at least for that deer, just comb in different areas. Um, and getting to October 4th, I get a call October 4th, October 4th, October 3rd. I didn't hunt at all after that. I was a little down on myself. You know, I hadn't sure. hunted since then. October 3rd was a Friday night. I thought, you know what? I'm going to go out. I'm just going to go shoot a doe. I went out and I shot a doe. Um, I lie. It was a Saturday night. Shot a doe. Sunday morning, cut the doe up. Went and looked for the, the buck again. One last time. I thought, I'm going to give this one last shot. I went and looked, nothing. And I got home and my phone rang. Hey, there's this buck laying on the edge of the property. He can't get up. He's paralyzed, but he's still there. And they sent me a picture of it. And I thought, that's not the deer I shot. And I'm like, I got to go look, though. I, you know, either way, I had to do something. But I figured, well, so I drove back over. It was like another 20 minutes back over right where I was. And uh, so this was a Sunday now. So this deer's laying there. And I'm like, I couldn't see the side where I shot. And so I called the game commission. I said, I get around a little bit behind the deer and I'm like, there's definitely a hole there, you know, like where this shot should have been, you know, this and that. And, uh, lined up game commission gave me permission to just put it down. And, uh, really? they said, you know, obviously you're going to have to tag. I couldn't shoot it with a gunner. I had to shoot it with the bow again. I had the bow, sure. um, shoot it with the bow. And, uh, so it ended up being the deer I shot. Um, and I still couldn't believe how big it was. I was in shock. You know, the whole thing, it was 12 days afterwards that this deer, I don't know what happened there. The meat was still perfectly good and everything. So if something got wedged in his spine that he couldn't move and he got paralyzed right there, or if an infection was starting to set in in his brain that paralyzed somewhere along the line there, oh I, I couldn't word. tell you. But like I said, he was just it's crazy how he ended up there that somebody could see him and get a hold of somebody else and call me that knew I was looking for a deer like that, you know? So how and, far uh, was the deer from where you originally shot him? He was about a mile and a half. Okay. But I'm sure he was running around, you know, cause it was 12 days. He was running around a long time before that. Exactly. Where he ended up. And in the meantime, you never had a picture of him. You don't know anybody that did no. have a picture of this deer. Nope. But I did have pictures of the deer that I thought I was looking at, you know, the other 13-pointer. Okay, so um, were you thinking at that point he was still alive and you still had pictures? Like, you still were thinking you shot that deer? Well, I the no, I wasn't thinking I shot that deer anymore. Okay. Because I, I was like, I well, they both had kickers, too. Off, <laughs> and I was like, that's what, you know, that was like the thing I saw that I knew. was like, oh, well, that just in my head. And then when I saw the other deer, I'm like, well, there's no signs of a hit on that other deer at all. So clearly it wasn't that deer. Um, but yeah. So just... the, the whole culmination of 12 days and then you ended up calling the game commission on a, I and you Dan said it was Lynch, a Sunday. Was, yeah. Yep. Cause it was a Sunday <laughs> around noon. So you time. got permission to shoot the deer. And yep. did you realize before you, you put it out of its misery, did you realize that it was the buck you shot or was it not uh, by until that afterwards? time I had, cause I was sitting there waiting for the game commission to call me back. 
And I, I was able to get around it and see that there was a shot. And well, then, like I said, the tracking dog told me where I, he thought I shot it and I still couldn't believe that. Yeah. And you know, that's exactly what happened. That, that shot missed the spine by less than an inch and it probably missed missing the whole deer or just glancing off the shoulder by another inch. You know, it was like just no man's land ended up yeah. down in the pocket there. It happens. I mean, you know, people, and that's why there's no blood. There was like straight down, no pass through. So was the other part of your arrow still in the deer? No, it worked out by then. Okay. Yeah, it had yeah. worked out. Yeah, I think people get criticized easily when stuff happens and goes wrong, but it's part of bow hunting, unfortunately. But I mean, talk about the highest to highs to the lowest lows. So, what right. was your first reaction when you got your hands on that deer? I, yeah, I mean, I still didn't think he was 165. You know, I was like, well, this is a good deer, you know. Um, but I, it just doesn't happen to you. Like I said, I'm a 100 to 125 inch guy, no yeah. problem. And then you hold something like that, it's like, mass on them and everything and just sitting there but i couldn't fully i'm not i i could believe it but i couldn't get myself to i don't know what i would say except that i had shot one that big you know it's like i mean did you ever think since you started hunting when you're 11 did you ever think in the time frame of your life that you'd ever be able to hunt a deer that was boone and crockett no, in Pennsylvania? no you don't think about it no Even scoring up you're like you know, Boone and Crockett, wow, you know, it's, it's just not words that come into play and you don't oh, think heavens, around this no. area, but there was so many big deer shot in that area this year. We'll see what's left for next year. Or this I was going to say, so like, you know, I'm assuming that's the biggest buck you've ever killed in Pennsylvania. Yes. Yep. Anywhere. Yep. Anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you come off of a season like that, you shoot the biggest buck of your life, probably one of the crazier stories you've ever experienced. Like, you yeah. know, we're getting uh, into July at that time frame where you're starting to going to be able to start identifying maybe a target to hunt this year. I mean, sure. how, how do you come off of a, a season? It like helps. That? It helps the, uh, that you can, I can hold out a little more probably I'm like, well, I'm not going to do any better than that more than likely, but you know, at least I got goals, you know, it, it is possible. Yeah. So, and you know, you, the one thing that you said that just stands out to me so much is the minute you saw those tines shaking in the corn, like yeah. it just, you get excited easily. And like, regardless of what you're hunting, that's what it's all about. Oh yeah. Like, to me, it's just magnified when you see something of that caliber coming. Yeah. yeah. The first time I saw him, he was probably no more than 30 yards. You know, just see him moving the corn stalks side to side. And it's like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Did you ever shoot one yeah. that early in the season? I, yeah, I'm, I usually, I like to shoot one pretty early. Okay. Um, I shouldn't say I like, I usually end up doing it. I, I run a lot of mock scrapes. Um, so I, that's where I got a lot of my pictures from. Okay. And that usually keeps them in a little bit of pattern. Can we can hunt so early down here in five C that uh, they're in their summer patterns yet. So, I mean, to... that, that early hunting in five C that's uh -huh. really, I mean, that, that's been a big difference. We probably would have been able to do that for what, 10, 15 years, or is it not that long? No, I don't even think it's that long. I, no, I, it could be longer than five, but I would have said maybe five years. So like, uh, you know, in that amount of time that you've been able to do that, how has that changed your archery hunting? It's, I mean, it is, it's almost too hot some days. I'm, I'm the guy I, I hunt pretty much every day, you know, in the evenings. Um, there's days that it seems awful hot, but they are very, uh, 
they're patternable for sure. You know, it's, if you see one one day, more than likely it's coming back within that air, you know, within a day or two. So you're able to kind of use those mock scrapes and come up with a pinpoint between, you know, what's pretty obvious as slash, you know, betting thickets and, and cornfields and kind of come up with some kind of pattern to set up early season. Right. Yeah. And like I said, we're a lot of ag. So there's, you know, there, you can see them in the fields. Um, so I have to ask, are you running any cameras right now? I don't have any out yet. Nope. Okay. So you'll kind of flip the gears here, what, in the coming weeks then, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have everything. I'm starting to get everything ready. Okay. I usually throw cameras out beginning of July and then uh, start hanging stands end of July. Sweet. Doing my trimming and stuff. So what was, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I just can't even, I can't even fathom. So, you, you know, you go through and you think it's a different deer and then you end up killing a deer that you've never seen before. And you don't know anybody. You say you don't know anybody that ever saw that deer that you know of. I've never heard. I have, don't know anybody that's somebody told me they had pictures of it, but I, I don't necessarily believe them because there was another one shot. It was a half mile away. Maybe I'm sure you've seen it, but it was like, about a 200 okay. incher. Okay. Um, I think it grossed what he, um, SCI it was around 200, I believe. Um, but he took the guy, not that guy, but somebody else told me they had pictures of both deer, you know, in the area, but I could have, they couldn't, I don't know. Yeah. You know. Well, uh, you, you put a little spoiler alert. I'm really trying to convince that individual to tell okay. his story on that deer. So if anybody listens to this, they'll, uh, they'll know that there was a 200 inch deer shot in Pennsylvania last year, which is unheard of, yeah. but ah, that's all right. I mean, when I, like I said, at the beginning of the season, when I saw the picture of your buck, I was blown away because it just looked like a, a, an absolute tank. Do you have any idea how old the deer was? Did you get it aged? The taxidermist said four and a half. Okay. Um, that was just by looking at the teeth, I guess. Okay. Um, I didn't send anything out. Or okay. So, thing. I mean, and I would believe it's easily a four-year-old based on how, I'd say how it's at least large dead. the deer was. Yeah. Um, at least. And he was, my, the biggest weight I ever shot dressed before was 204, and he was definitely that. Um, I like I said, I didn't get to weigh him. So. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of the disadvantages of early season, but hey it's a patternable hunt and i mean that's that's a really cool story um <laughs> it's kind of hard to come off of that one <laughs> it's, I, I don't know how many months it is since then but it's it's still hard to believe i was gonna say I, how long did it take morning, to come off I of gave, that high <laughs> yeah that morning i gave up on him i was like well he's either somewhere dead that nobody i mean i hadn't heard anybody find him or anything you know mm -hmm. and uh like well hopefully he's still alive and somebody sees him or something but you know it just it's funny how that worked i was pretty sure i wasn't finding him at that point so then <laughs> two hours later two hours is that the difference yeah uh, so what do you do with the rest of your hunting season in a situation like that where you shoot two deer before what was it october 3rd you shot you had a doe and a buck down yeah you got your buck the fifth yeah. you finally got him then yeah. So I, I, uh, I ended up shooting one more doe or one or two more doe. I forget. Um, but I like to spread them out. I usually, like I said, most of my spots are archery. So even in rifle season or whatever, I'll take the bow out. Sure. Um, I did end up shooting one doe with the bow and rifle. Um, 
and I'm trying to think. And maybe I did only shoot two doe then, but I don't. I don't need a lot of meat, but we we like to eat our venison, so absolutely a lot cheaper than beef. <laughs> <laughs> Pasture raised, right? Grace. Yeah. Uh, I love venison. I mean, that's part of it. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing like being able to share a story like you just told, and then also put that on the table for friends and family. That's what it's all oh, about. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. well, Hey, I hope that uh, at some point I can see the, the, the mount of that deer. Cause it's, it's going to be pretty darn cool looking. Yeah. Yeah. You hopefully. Got a place pick, do you got a place picked out for it or, or did your wife pick that for you? No. <laughs> No, I got a spot for it. I got to rearrange a couple others, but I, I know right where he's going. So. so she was overjoyed to have another decoration in the house, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so thrilled. I'm trying to think. She did. She actually did look at this rack. So most of the time I bring him home, she's like, oh, great. Yeah, good job. She's like, now you don't have to go hunting every night. <laughs> <laughs> well, she probably yeah. sit like, I know I shot a buck and my wife said, uh, well, you, you can't mount another one until you shoot one bigger than that. Yeah. <laughs> if your yeah. wife says that, you got a problem. Yeah, I will have no more mounts. <laughs> hey, you never know. Hopefully it keeps That's getting true. better and better. Yeah. Yeah, there's potential, but it's unlikely. <laughs> hey keep hunting hard that's an awesome story and man i hope that you uh i hope you can find something else that's worth getting your blood pumping for archer season this year oh yeah definitely so you got your bow tuned in and you shooting yep yeah i'm shooting every night right now at a so. boy yep at a boy we'll tune arrows. It, yeah tune it in get ready and i i hope you have a heck of a season yeah hope i'm a better shot than last year <laughs> we always hope for that but uh yeah. ex expect expect the worst and hope for the best right yeah yeah that's it bow hunting is so unpredictable i think that's what draws us but yeah it is the best you're right <laughs> brendan thank you so much for sharing that story man all right no problem hey, you have a good night and uh again good luck this hunting season all right you too take care pal all right bye